Welcome to Tall Hungry Girl Talk Season 2. This is my inaugural episode. I am so glad to be back. Uh, When I started my podcast um, last year uh, in the first season, I really didn't know what was going to happen. It was sort of, um, you know, a test of doing the the first episode. And after I did it, I just felt this sense of joy, like I was going in the right direction with what I was doing. Um, I have a degree in broadcast journalism. And so I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm putting these, these student loans to work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, um, you know, here I am on my 10th episode, second season and a new decade. Um, So I, I'm just so excited to be here and to um, introduce my guests today. Um, Today I am interviewing Rebecca Ahmed and Natalie Iannone. They are strategic coaches and speakers who together co-founded Turn It On. Through their presentations, keynote speaking, coaching, engagements, and training, they act as educators, mentors, and strategists to ensure their clients are truly embracing their potential and continuing to hone their own definition of success, not just accepting the one handed to them. In addition to Turn It On, Rebecca is a corporate managing director at Savills. Is it Savills? Savills, okay. A worldwide commercial real estate organization. She previously served as the director of HR systems and operations for Pinnacle Entertainment, a dynamic casino entertainment company with 16,000 plus team members across the U.S. Natalie brings 20 plus years of inspiring leadership and people service experience with a specialty in learning and development. Her expertise and focus lie in mentoring and coaching, strategic planning, leadership development, and effective communication. She creates a partnership with clients that fosters discovery and energizes them to lean into their personal strengths and values. Welcome, ladies. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I promise I did not turn into a man over the break that I had. I just have a cold that I'm getting over right now, so that's that's why my voice sounds a little bit sexy. I like your voice, yeah. (laughs) It's my phone sex opera. You're turning us on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... First, I want to dive into knowing your alignment. Um, You know, I just mentioned how when I started this podcast, it just felt good. Like I was on a high for probably like a week after I recorded the first one. I was like, oh, my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I felt very in alignment. But I don't think it's always like I don't think things are always that straightforward. Um, sometimes there's like a ramp up period or sometimes you never feel aligned with like your career or relationship or something like that. Um, Rebecca, when you and I first met, I had mentioned something about a relationship, not feeling right. Mm -hmm. And your response to me, which just like stuck with me, but was like very kind of obvious, but it just really resonated. Your like immediate response was you probably have a values misalignment And lo and behold, you're absolutely right. (laughs) So I think the same principle, it applies to work too, that that the values need to align with the organization that you're in. Absolutely. Can you guys talk more about this and how to know when something is off and and what to do about it? Because sometimes like... I think of it like the, you know, the, the frog in the pot of water, the pot of boiling water, like it's like a slow heat up. So you don't always know when to jump out. Yeah. I mean, I think when you have done a values assessment and you're really in tune and understand your values, you've defined them, you know exactly how they serve you and don't serve you. It ends up being a lot easier to jump right out of that pot because 
you're able to say this aligns with my values or not. I'm sure when you had that relationship and when you really were like, oh my gosh, this isn't aligning with this value, it was pretty easy to leave because you don't feel like you're judging someone. You're not telling someone, you know, they're not a good person or that work's not there for you. You're just saying, we're not in alignment. We're not in a, you know, our values don't align. And I think for women, that's also really important because we need that extra you know, um, how would I say justification? Yes. And instead of, you know, cause we always want to be liked. We always want to make sure we're not hurting anyone, but it's very easy to say that our values aren't aligning and we can move forward. Yeah. yeah so to, to add to that just a little bit, it is around discovery. So like yeah. if you're not, if you don't know it in the first place, you're going to likely be out of alignment. You're just scratching your head and yeah. saying, what's, what's off here. Yeah. What was really cool about what you said is I, just fell into it and I felt the joy that I had from it. And I think that's while people define their values, even if you do a values assessment, the next step is not just saying, okay, so these are my values. What do they truly mean to me? And what is the outcome of it? And so if you know that your outcome is going to bring you that feeling of joy and feeling of happiness or just feeling good versus will this end up bringing me joy? And people don't question that. They just say, well, I value integrity. Yeah. Why do you value integrity? Yes. And at the end of the day, is that going to bring you a good feeling or is it going to bring you down the path of it's around fear and and more fear-based? So So when you guys are working with clients, you you mentioned like a values assessment. So what exactly, can you talk more about that? Because I feel like that's something people should do in relationships and friendships. At work, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we have it on our website and we, um, every time we work with a client, it's one of the first two sessions that we do. So we do ELI assessments. We're both certified. Um, An ELI assessment is an energy leadership assessment. And okay. because we both graduated from IPEC, we are certified to run that assessment. Which And is, what's IPEC? IPEC is a coaching school. Okay. And um, they're accredited and um, through the International Coaching Federation, which okay. is the one body, accrediting body of coaching. And um, IPEC fo- focuses on energy. Okay. So not only do you learn the, the foundation principles of coaching, but you also learn the seven levels of energy and how do you approach situations through energy, whether it's an everyday situation or if you're approaching a situation through stress. And it's an amazing assessment. So we do that. And then the second session usually is a values assessment. So we can ensure every single time we touch base on values, every speech we give, we touch base on values. I mean, it's consistently something that we come back and say, what's, what's aligning with your values or what's not. Yeah. Essentially it is your internal compass. Yeah. Yeah. So like wherever you're going in life, when it starts feeling off, you're not following the compass of your values. Yeah. And so it, once it becomes your internal compass, that's why we do that at the beginning so that all goals that are being met, you are ensuring that it is aligning with what truly matters to you and what truly motivates you. Yeah. I feel like when I have been in jobs and relationships that weren't right, I was like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I mean, every, like my body was telling me, my dreams were telling me, my health your was telling me. Your intuition's like yes. screaming yes. at yes. you. <laughs> Like the, the sirens were going off and I'm like, oh, I'm confused. But it's almost like you have to plot all the data points to be able to figure it out. It's not always an immediate thing. Yeah. And so Natalie's yeah. really, I mean, she's really taught me a lot about listening to my intuition because she yeah. is so in tune. And so now I do an intuition journal 
And anytime that I feel something's off and I'm like, okay, this is speaking to me. And usually it's my gut. Everyone, it kind of depends on your body and where it hits you. But for me, it hits my gut pretty hard. And so I constantly write down things that, you know, an intuition hit. And then I usually follow it because now I've statistically, like you said, all these data points. Yeah. I've been able to see my intuition is right. Rebecca, listen to it. Yeah. Stop trying to use your brain so much to talk yourself out of it because I definitely do that. And Um, rationalize like, (laughs) oh, but it's this and this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So new decade, we're in a new decade. And so, especially at the beginning of the year, a lot of people want to make like 17,000 changes in their life, like lose a (laughs) hundred pounds. I know. I always hate the first month because I work out every day and I'm like, oh, here they come. Get out of the gym. (laughs) Get out of the gym. How long this is going to last, right? You you hear? Oh, I'm almost encouraging like, yeah, you should really just go back home. Yeah. (laughs) Get off my machine. It's only going to last. I know. 10 days. Yes. So this is a time of year that people want to make a lot of changes. So um, what? So people that are looking for um, a new position, a new career, whatever it is, what do you what do you do for people who are like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm lost. I'm asking for a friend, aka myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot is around discovery, and and a lot of work that that we do with clients is around discovery, awareness to gain clarity alignment, so on. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes when people come to you, I want to change jobs. They want a checklist. Give me yeah. a checklist so I can get this done. And then we're right. We're good. Right. Yeah. You're just going to give it to me. And that's not really the, the, the point of it is discovery and understanding what is it truly that you want, what matters most to you and being able to get a true understanding of that within yourself that will then set you up for Now, how do I go about looking for that? Mm -hmm. And it allows you to choose versus being chosen. So a lot of times when people are looking for new jobs, they're like, oh, they like me. They really like me. So I'm all in. And then you get married to the job and you're like, oh, wait, I don't really like you. So it really is trying to get a better understanding about yourself um, before you go out looking for a job. And then secondly, I would say it's not a checklist because the thing is, we could, I mean, you could provide a checklist to somebody. The reality of it is the magic is when you work with someone to pull it from you because there's nobody that knows better than you, what you truly want. It's just a matter of getting it out. No, and definitely. being in HR for so long, I mean, I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to talent acquisition in the first place when I started in HR, I mean, 10 plus years ago, it was helping people figure out what they wanted to do, putting those puzzle pieces together and really going through that discovery with them. So what we would first do, I would say, is a values assessment because you want to know that. Then, I, and I speak about this all the time, is knowing your worth. So when you put that down and you know exactly what your worth is, then you're able to say, okay, what are my passions? And you start, you know, kind of putting that together all these different word clouds and these visions and then things will start you know aligning as you as you mentioned earlier and you're saying okay you know what journalism or this or this pod whatever it is will start very clearly coming up to the surface because you have completely defined what attracts you what turns you on yeah okay um so I hear it all the time I need to find my purpose I feel like this is a very American thing. It is a very American thing. <laughs> Literally, my uh, host family brother came and he's like, what is this purpose thing? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, it's very American. <laughs> I, so do you guys feel like this is an American craze gone wrong or is there something behind this? Because I feel that I am like doing this podcast as, as corny as it sounds. I do feel like I'm living in my purpose doing it um other things in my life I you know I don't know but I feel like this is one track where I feel like okay this is this is it 
but can we be happy in a boring job with lots of purposeful side hustles like I feel like I have? Um, can we talk more about walking in your purpose? And I don't know, what if you don't have one? <laughs> but what if you're happy in like, you know, raising your kids, but your job is boring? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, again, up to the person and how they define their happiness and their yeah. purpose. I find it very interesting because anyone I work with, especially um, through divorce, and you know, divorce rates are so high, and that's one of the big changes that we talk about in a lot of our um, group sessions is that you know, relationships have become, instead of so goal-oriented and goal-driven, they're now purpose-driven. Yeah. And so people get in divorces much more because they're like, this isn't my purpose. I don't know who I am. Rather than in the past, it'd be, okay, we're together and you know, I even think about it because I'm, I'm Pakistani, you know, when you're set up in a relationship and it's arranged, you have goals together. And so it's very much goal driven. Yeah. This whole entire purpose driven is like, oh, well, now I don't, I don't give a shit about our goals. Yeah. Like if I don't know it's my me, purpose, me, me. it's me, me, me. Exactly. Yeah. So I can't say that it's bad, but it's very interesting how it affects different relationships and how it's affecting people in general. Um, and I mean, I hate this is kind of negative, but I mean, suicide rates are extremely high and it's like people really find a hard time saying, what is my purpose? I mean, even Anthony Bourdain, you know, Chappelle talks about, he's like, yeah. this guy had the best job in the world, but he didn't find it purposeful for him, yeah. obviously. So I, I just, I think there's, you know, a lot to learn in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I also feel like when people are talking about their purpose and they're in their workforce, you know, we have this we have this vision of certain things. And so then it, it narrows our scope. And the thing is, oftentimes it's right in front of us that the problem is that we've allowed other people's energy, other things around us to kind of define and shift yeah. that way of thinking. And so sometimes it's a matter of just taking off the glasses that you have on and putting on a new set of lenses. I mean, we've had, I know personally, I've had multiple clients that have hired me specifically for career transitioning, yeah. right? And once we start going down the path of clarity and understanding, I've had multiple people realize, holy cow, it's not the job. It's me yeah. and the way that I'm coming into this, yeah. you know? And so when you're able ding, to, ding, ding. yeah. <laughs> and so when you start seeing things from a different perspective and recognizing where your energy is and how you're showing up in it, yeah. and you start looking at the things that you truly want, a lot of it is right there in front of you. You just have had on the wrong lenses. Yeah. And again, you just said though, career driven, right? So this goes back to American. You don't ask in Europe, you know, what do you do? That would be extremely yes. rude. You Lord. ask someone, you know, who are you? And you talk about where you travel and what you loved, what you read and the museums you go to and maybe you hike, whatever you do, because you know who you are. A career is a piece of who you are, where we define ourselves in the U.S. so much on our career. So, of course, you're going to have, you know, a yeah. lack of clarity around purpose. That's right. And it's constantly changing, especially now if you look at statistics. I mean, millennials stay in a job, you know, on average of two years each position. So, of course, every single time you switch up, you're going to have purpose questions because yeah. you're defining yourself based on your career rather yes. than this is who I am and this is, you know, what I do. Yeah, I know. I'm from a small town in in Oregon, Tillamook, Oregon. It was like, popu I think it's population 6,000 now. And I moved to DC when I was starting my career. So to say, it's kind of unfair to say that no one in Oregon ever asked me what I did because I was so young that it's like that stuff didn't, it didn't matter. But I just don't remember it being such a topic of conversation growing up. Like no one really gave a shit, but also I lived in such a small town that you already knew what people did. But even, you know, living in Portland before I moved here, when I was, you know, I worked at a bank and 
and uh, before I started my, you know, my career in journalism and stuff, people weren't asking that question. And so when I got here, it was like, oh my God, will you shut up? Like, yeah. and, and I would just start being like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm finishing my GED. I have one more class left just to <laughs> mess with people because I knew that what they were getting after, it was like, well, where, where are you in the hierarchy of importance? Like, yeah. are you someone that I need to talk to? So when a lot of time people end up defining their purpose based off of their education yeah. and based off of their job, when yeah. that's not really what, your purpose may be it yeah. may be included in that but that doesn't necessarily mean that's truly your purpose yeah 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 um so I want to move into talking about like knowing your worth um so I you know I just talked about when I moved to DC and I was poor for a very very long time I was kind of, it's kind of humorous to look back and and think of how poor I was I was very skinny too it's the best diet ever <laughs> <laughs> Um, but asking for more money wasn't really a problem for me. I remember I worked for a television show and I made $23,000 and I asked the executive producer for more money. She gave me five, $500 more. <laughs> you needed to be more specific I about know, your right. ask there. She was like, that's oh all my. we have in the budget. And you know, fair enough, whatever. But I asked, um, but you know, I, I think that, that is often an area that is, is difficult for women. And, um, you know, there's, there's so much fear behind it and like fear about knowing your worth, fear about, you know, knowing how much you should be paid. Like, you know, recently I even avoided applying for a job at the Obama foundation because I didn't feel qualified enough. I don't, feel like this is a problem for men. I, I, you know, it's not. Yeah. How does one women really get over the hump of applying for a job that they may not be, they may not meet every single requirement of the job? Well, that's exactly it. Stop thinking about every single requirement of the job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what can you, what can you, first off, if you can already do every single thing of the job, how boring, yeah. right? Where are you going to grow? Yeah. Where are you going to like jump into something really awesome? So, you know, I always say, like, learn from men. I have seven brothers, and I think about how can I learn from them? And when they look at something and say, I know I can learn that. I know I can jump into this awesomeness. Then, of course, they're attracted to that. And your energy immediately when you have an interview is going to speak to that. You're excited about it. I mean, think about that. When you go into an interview, like, I can do every single thing here. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, then where are you going to want to go next? You're yeah. already going to be, they're already going to be wondering, oh, can I, can I get them to grow? Like, will they want to, you know, continue to succeed within our organization? Where if you're stepping into a position that you get to learn and, you know, really create your own, that's, that's where the magic happens. So yeah. first I would say, stop looking at that. Okay. Um, and then knowing your worth, I mean, in, in terms of basic tools, I always say, understand the position you're applying for, understand your experience within that position and do your date, do your research, you know, go on pay scale, go on Glassdoor, go on salary.com, make sure you have your numbers because you, that arms you with, you know, information. So when you have a conversation and you're asking for a compensation, you say, you know, I, the market data is showing this. The, the role is, you know, paying between one hundred and one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Can you please confirm, you know, your market data or your pay scale? And I want to ensure that we're aligned again um, before we continue this conversation. Yeah. And that's very easy to say because you are armed with that information. Yeah. And and it, it's not coming from a place of fear. I mean, yeah. that's if you are not coming from a place of fear and you know your worth and you know your values, it's very easy to move forward. It's when you don't know that and you are stepping yeah. in, you're coming into fear. 
I mean, it's like a dog could smell fear. Of yeah. course, you know, if you're asking for money and they, they feel that, they're like, oh, you know, I, can, I got that. I yeah. can get this. Yeah. yeah. Like we, um, Rebecca and I recently saw Demi Moore give a talk about her memoir at The Wing, um, this well, female only co-working space. I think men, you know, by law, they can still join, but <laughs> they have lots of events there as well. And she said something that really resonated me with me in regards to pay. She said, if you don't ask the question, how will you know? Correct. If you can say, why not? Why shouldn't I be paid the same? If there really isn't a strong reason, then it becomes easy. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of shameful because at the time she was the highest paid woman in Hollywood but people were calling her Gimme More instead of her name. But she was being paid the same as her male counterparts. And it's like, really? So she's asking for equal pay. But it's like, I think that, you know, women have kind of been shamed in this area. And so it is a hard ask. I think I am getting better at it. Um, But especially in like my freelance work, when there isn't necessarily like, an apples to apples comparison. There's not always like a easy glass door because you're doing a lot of, you know, different type of work for people. I've, I've had to get more comfortable with like, you know, okay, here's my rate. And then being like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. no, exactly. So yeah, but you know, that's yeah. Doing, doing research and stuff like that. Would you suggest like for people that are in freelance, would you suggest talking to other people that, Absolutely. I tell people to do informational interviews all the time. Ask other people. People love to talk about themselves. And (laughs) as soon as you ask, they'll, again, asking, you know, putting it out there. And then also realizing, you know, no just means no. We make no to mean so fucking much. Yeah. It's just no. Yeah. Think about it. Men have no problem getting a no. Yeah. Even even if you look at dating, for instance, it's a numbers game. You ask out this many girls, you're going to get <laughs> one true. at one point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing when they're asking at work. You know, yeah. why not ask for it? And if a no comes back, it's not about, oh my gosh, you're not a good person. You're not this. They don't make it all about themselves. Yeah. And they don't look at it as, oh, you know, I should be shame, shameful about this it's like oh no is now move yeah. on move next well I asked okay right yeah and I think for some people it's about actually believing their worth so you can do all the data you can look it up at, at everything yeah but if you don't believe that you're truly worth it then you're not yeah. empowering yourself to be able to walk in and truly have that type of conversation so it's believing it with the research yeah. that you have to go in that is so key, Natalie. I just had a client and she just got a $50,000 raise and Ooh. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> I know. Um, when, when we get raises, we get big raises yeah. in my client. So and I get, I just get so proud, but, um, and she was very nervous. And I asked that exact question, do you not believe you deserve this? Because she's, you know, a well-paid attorney and she was at the middle of her range. She'd been in an organization for a couple of years and the savings she'd brought in by not using external counsel, she was able to show the data, but So all the figures, like you said, completely aligned. And I said, it's absolutely reasonable that you're going in and asking for a $50,000 raise. Like what's making you flinch? Are you, do you not feel that you're worth that? Mm -hmm. And so we need to go back to the basics before you even go in there, because I'm not going to arm you with all these tools and this pitch deck until you know, and you go in there and you have absolutely no problem asking. So it did take, you know, an extra few weeks, to be honest, of working through that. And then now when she went in, she, I mean, she had no problem. She said like, it was a, it was a cakewalk and she was yeah. crying afterwards, like of, of joy because it was that easy. Yeah. I know it kind of reminds me, 
of myself when I think about it, it's a little ridiculous. I took a month long sabbatical. And so this year and my career manager at my company was like, okay, let's talk about like what you want for a raise. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just, I don't think it's fair for me to ask for more than like, you know, the market increase or whatever. And then, and then I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. I thought about it for a few weeks and I talked to one of my, you know, male coworkers. He was like, Tahira, no, ask for as much as you possibly can get. And I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? I'm now managing a work stream. The client is happy. I'm helping, you know, retain work. That's money for my company. Mm -hmm. And it just like, I was like, why would I ever say that? I know. But I, t- you know, I was like, oh, well, I just, I wouldn't, I don't think it's fair. And I'm like, no, dear. yeah. And so I'm kind of like kicking myself a little bit that I even put that out there in the universe. But, you know, to your point, like you have to believe it yourself. And I had to go back and be like, yes, I do believe that I, I'm worth more. And had you not put that out there, though, you would not have been able to have the rest of that conversation, which yeah. is more empowering by yeah. you learning that about yourself. Yeah. You know, a tool that we use or that's been used is it's very, especially because women oftentimes have challenges with um, asking if you. However, they're not having a problem when it comes to their friend, their kid, yeah. their, you know, yeah, even they on will behalf go, of the company, like, they save yeah. mama money. bear yep. kicks yep. in, you know, full force. So a lot of times it's about just stopping for a moment and thinking, okay, so what if this was a close friend of yours or someone that you fully believed in every bit of their ability? What might it sound like if you were to go to bat for them Yeah, and then using that for yourself? Yeah. Yep. Even I have a, remember when my, a lot of my young adult girls, um, I have them ask for something every single day for themselves. So if they go shopping, they'll ask, can I get 10% off at the register? And they'll call and be like, every time. Like <laughs> I was like, see, yeah. and just to get them to stretch and get yeah. used to yeah. it yeah. and start, you know, really pushing those boundaries and getting comfortable with the ask. Because like anything, if you're not consistently doing it, you're not going to have comfort level around it. Yeah. So if I can get them at a very young age, consistently doing that, when they start getting into positions of, you know, em- employment and they're graduating from high school, they're very easily able to ask, you know, for money because they've had that practice everywhere around them, yeah. which was not, you know, we was not the case, at least for myself. And no. I know most of my adult clients. Yeah. yeah. Um, so getting into really like the meat of what I wanted to talk about today, which is what we talked about in the pre-interview that we, I had with you guys is like removing the mask, like vulnerability. Um, and I, I think safe vulnerability, like, you don't, you know, just not like careless vulnerability, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you don't just need to tell everyone your business. Um, so my first question about that is, you know, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey said that you can have it all just not at once. Do you feel like this can be an issue for some, especially women thinking that they need to be everyone, everything to everyone? Like, how do you get over this? Like showing that like, okay, I can't raise my kids, have a nine to five, be the PTA mom, all this. Like, I think women are scared to like show that, yeah, they can't juggle a hundred balls at once and they need help. And it's also the story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. You know, so once you are living the story that you're telling yourself, then it makes it a lot harder to not tell yourself that story. Or should I say redefine that story? Yeah. And you continue to shield and put another layer on and another layer on. So how do, like, how do you suggest that, I mean, really women, because I don't know that men have this problem as much. How do they, how do you get over this? Like, well, when you do look at a man um, and 
the levels of success that they, you know, how they're successful is because they do focus on one area and really, really, you know, do, do well in that area. So if they're career driven, for instance, they're going to strictly focus on that to ensure that they, you know, are able to be the best that they are in their careers. They're not doing everything. They're not trying to juggle. It's like when you look at the statistics of multitasking, even though we say we do it and we do it well, actually statistically, (laughs) nobody can really do it well. Like our brains aren't actually designed to do that. So for women, one, it's it's kind of interesting. Yes, we're, we have been taught that we need to do all these things, but we can't do it all, and, and especially at the same exact time. So we need to prioritize. We need to select what we want to do and take that shield off. And I know Natalie has a lot of, um, you know, I would say re- she's been doing a lot of research in this area because she is a mom of four and, yeah. and you know, opening our own business and a wife and you know I'm single I don't have kids that I have to you know take care of too so there is a lot more that you have to put on and that you do put on yeah I guess I'll direct this question for you then Natalie is that like so I I saw Valerie Jarrett give um she's seen was a senior advisor to Obama um and she was talking about like you know raising her daughter and and the workplace she really made it seem like she had it all together Mm -hmm. and um And she wouldn't allow other women to see that like she was drowning and, and eventually she did. Um, She took kind of took off that suit of armor and like, and then like, uh, and it allowed other women to show that like, okay, it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. So kind of provide some insight on that, on, on like taking off that mask and in a safe way. Yeah. I, you know, I think some of it again goes back to discovery first and recognizing that the armor is even on, you know, a lot of people, we just get in our every day and you don't even realize how many layers you're wearing. Mm -hmm. And when, just like what Valerie did, she took that armor off, but what that did was simply unlock the door and invite other people to do the same, which is super cool. And the other thing that, that I feel when it resonated with me a lot, because I think that we go in this day uh, in age of purpose, I need to be the, the doer, I need to be the fixer, I need to be the solution, the leader, the teacher, hero, all of that. And what we end up missing a lot of times in that is the gifts that we're able to share with us. We're so shielded up yeah. that pe- we can't share with others and they can't receive or we can't receive. And so just by being able to de-layer and invite other people in, it becomes easier by doing that. The other thing is just reminding ourselves that, you know, when you look at the life that we live in, we're here on a journey. Yeah. We're here to learn. We're here to evolve. And yet we put ourselves in these positions where we have to know it all. Well, when are you learning then? When are you evolving? I love that. When yeah. are you developing? Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to recognize, do I want to be the leader here or is it my time to be taught? Yeah. And when shit hits the fan at times, you immediately want to go into this power mode of dun da da da. Yeah. I've got it all. When the reality of it is when you take a moment and just ask yourself, what is the moment here that I can learn from mm-hmm. so that I can evolve? And then share my gifts with other people. And that really is more empowering than suiting up every day and feeling like I have to know it all. I mean, there, and she's right. I mean, through my life, I had a child very early and through that I've suited up feeling like I can't let anybody know, you know, my, my personal story because that will make me look weak. That will not make me look as strong. And so I armored up a lot and there was plenty of layers on me. 
And what I realized was my gift, the intuition that she's talking about, that came, that comes from within, and it is truly my gift, but it was not able to be shared or recognized because I was so armored up. And I think we all, a lot of women and men out there for, for matters, they suit up. Yeah. So, and it's such a detriment to our friend circle and to the people that we work with because you know, and especially in the age of social media when everything is just such bullshit yeah, <laughs> yeah. and a lie. So it's like this compare culture yeah. and there is compare culture at work where, you know, you see the, the person coming in with a three piece suit or whatever out cute outfit every single day. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they're perfect. I have to be like so perfect around them and can't ever mess up. And it's like, that's not that's reality. Not exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I learned this in Landmark because, so I'm the oldest of nine. And I, when I thought back to, um, you know, the putting on that mama bear shield and, and taking care of them. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, some of my brothers and sisters have gone through um, addiction and it was really challenging. And I remember at Landmark, they were, they were, I was saying, I'm tired. I'm tired of cleaning up all this shit. I'm tired of putting all this you know, having to take care of them. And they said, well, how is this serving you? And when you really look at yourself with, you know, a a magnifying glass and from a different lens, I was like, oh my gosh, it was my way of saying I'm good and you're doing something wrong. And it was judgment that I didn't even realize that I was doing. And it, I mean, it honestly changed my life in that moment because I realized why you know, we saw the world so differently coming from a different place. And every single time I'm saying, oh, I'm tired of doing this. Well, that was my choice. I didn't have to do that. And so when you said, you know, when you start taking off the shield, how do you do it where other people understand? You know, I'm thinking back to Thanksgiving. My dad was very confused because I've always taken on this responsibility of cooking for all, you know, 20 of us, organizing everything. And I said, I wasn't, I'm no longer doing that. And he's like, you can't just step off, you know, you're, you're (laughs) You're reigning your throne. And I was like, and I realized, you know, this is challenging for you, dad. Absolutely. You don't realize this whole year that I've been in DC and really focusing on personal development. I have no problem saying no now where in the past that would have never come out of my mouth. Anything and everything, everyone asked, they said yes. And I figured it out, but I was exhausted. Yeah. So now I'm able to say that, but I have to realize, just like you said, other people aren't used to, you know, me jumping out of that role so quickly. And I have to, you know, remember that too and have a conversation and say, you know, this is what, this is why, and moving forward, this is how I'm going to approach things and, and, you know, give them that opportunity to also grow with you because it's hard, especially Mm -hmm. when someone jumps into change. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say just for giving a little bit of advice to anyone out there that that is recognizing oh yeah I am wearing a shield you know when you think about a shield of armor and the knights that went out and fought and I just recently wrote a blog about this that when you're unshielding and if you were fighting those fights what do you think would be if if you took that armor off what do you think is underneath there you've got dirt you've got blood you've got so when you think about our armor that we put on every day when we unshield and we were able to look at what the lining is of it and what we've been holding on to, and it's just been sticking and resonating within us. You know, you have the lining of judgment, you have the lining of rejection, yeah. you have the, all of that is just festering and sitting right there. So if you have the opportunity to just simply analyze what's underneath my, what's underneath this armor, yeah. it's empowering. Yeah, no, definitely. And the other thing I would say is about community, because you kind of talked about that. Yeah. I've learned that so much here, but because we love, like Natalie and I really love to help people. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're both coaches. People also love to help you. And so you're not giving that gift. If you're not sharing in all of the things that you need help with. And I think that's where women really forget. You can reach out to so many people and 
be able to really have it all because someone's helping you with your kids. Someone's helping you with cooking. Someone's helping you with all these different things because you're sharing in your community. So leverage your communities because you're giving them the gift of giving back too. Yeah. Cause people want to feel useful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. People like to feel useful. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't want to receive it. We, yeah. We're the only ones that can do it for everybody else. We're not going to receive it. Yeah. Which is just silly. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's not, you know, that's not giving. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this is this is almost a, a question that I'm interested in knowing myself because I will cry at a freaking Hallmark commercial. Like, <laughs> that's just how I am. I'm a cancer. I'm sensitive. So, <laughs> but what are the rules at, on crying at work? Are there any, like... I don't know. I, I've definitely cried at work a lot. I usually like try to lift my chin up and look at the look at the light <laughs> to, <laughs> to hope it goes away. Um, I know that a lot of people are, you know, much less emotional than me. Um, I definitely don't try to cry in meetings, but sometimes it happens. Like we're human. So what do you do in these type of like super awkward situations where you don't want to be crying, but you are? This is for Natalie. I am, <laughs> I, I'm such a, I guess like a, a man in this. <laughs> like I don't cry at work. Like even you yeah. said in the car yesterday, you're yeah. like, I was tearing up because I was so excited to see you. Yeah. And I wanted to call you. See, that's me. <laughs> yeah. That is me. I know. As soon as you said that, I'm like, well, I can completely relate. Yeah. Um, and as as far as you're right, I mean, there's no rules to it. You know, I think what people need to keep in mind is that we go to work and we almost make ourselves like we're these robots, yeah. right? And we're so fortunate that we get to work with humans and not just robots all <laughs> yeah. day. We have emotions, we have feelings. And I think for me personally, I think it's beautiful when someone allows themselves to be vulnerable and to be, you know, sad sometimes or cry because of laughter, you know, so I don't think that there's any rules around it. I think the more that we show who we are, again, it unlocks that door for others to do the same. And yeah. sometimes it might not be crying for someone else, but at least if they see, hey, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable in this space, mm -hmm. then you feel safe. You yeah. feel safer because it's authenticity instead yeah. of people walking in with this big facade, you know? I agree, but I mean, four or five times a crying, oh God, <laughs> I'm like, lock it up. Well, so, I mean, obviously, there well, is some deeper... You can't be ridiculous. Deeper, of course, <laughs> yeah. There could be some deeper components there where there's another conversation that needs to be had. But, I mean, you know, people can get emotional and feel yes. emotions from one another, and it should be okay, yeah. you know? Not yeah. crybaby mode, but, yes. you know... <laughs> Like my my mom was really sick this last year, and so I would get updates, and so I just like excuse myself to the bathroom. See, and but you like, are being appropriate and excusing yourself to the restroom. Yeah. So I think there's time time and place. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're going through a hardship in in life, it doesn't just you know end at the door when you walk yeah, into work. Right. And I always let you know my team members know and. I would say, you know, I'm happy to have conversations and, and you can always feel vulnerable behind this door and, and you know, take a moment, um, especially if, if you don't want to show that in other areas of, yeah. of the organization. Yeah. And that's a good, I mean, it, the reality of it is your performance at work should not be led by your emotion. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't show any emotion, but Correct. if you lead by your emotion, hang it up. It's yeah. going to be a rough time. People might think you're a little nutty. <laughs> well, we're all I'm a like, little nutty in one know, way or another. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm like, but Hallmark commercials just make me emotional. Yes. <laughs> Did you know Hallmark is, um, or at least for 2019, was the number one watch channel because people are just looking for happiness? 
Uh, wow. And, there, and when watching TV, it's just been so much. And, you know, all the news, everything yeah. that's so catabolic energy. Yeah. It's the number watched show um, or channel in at least wow. in 2019. I can see that. I used to watch hours of, of news. I'm just like 60 Minutes is my favorite show that just like kind of tells you <laughs> where mm-hmm. my mind is. Well, you're a journalist. Is. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I've stopped watching the news. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I used to read the, the newspaper for a couple hours a day, too, because I'm, yeah, a psycho. And I stopped doing that, too, because I just can't handle it. It's so, catabolic. Yeah, I'm, like, watching stand-up, you know, and what comedy cha- shows. And what changed for you? Um, Well, the new administration and just, like, the, the difficulty and, in, in, you know, every day it was just something so negative. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when you put that down, did you see a, a change based off of yourself? you not? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't as stressed. Yeah. yeah. It's one of, the like, the quick and easy things that we do with some of our clients who are so entrenched in the news if they are coming at you know a level two energy and they're they're just you know it's like do you wake up and the first thing you do is watch the news and the last thing you do before bed because we need to just rearrange this and how many times are you going on your phone checking twitter because if that's really dictating your energy throughout the day no wonder you're fucking exhausted so let's just that's an easy and quick one to just change up that's an external factor that you should remove yourself from if it's not bringing you joy and happiness and like nine times out of ten if you're watching the news every now and then they'll show a cute little story that brings a smile on your face but it's not going to bring you a lot of joy yeah I still watch my 60 minutes because there's good stories on that. It's not as the 24, you know, hour. But I used the first thing I did was check the Washington Post, check the New York Times in the morning. I still do it sometimes, but now I just kind of read the headlines to make sure that I'm up to date. Yeah, make sure you're up to date. Does it need to be the first thing that you do in the morning? So how can you start out your morning? with something that brings you a lot of joy and pleasure, something that really, you know, sets your tone for the day as being really anabolic, really positive. And the same thing when you go to bed, you know, don't, just like they say, don't fight right before you go to bed because you're going to have a bad night of sleep. You know, what can you do to really wind down that's going to give you, you know, a good night's sleep? Yeah. Gratitude shifts the attitude. Yes, (laughs) yes. I've started trying, when I wake up, I've started, um, like, listing out, like three things that I'm grateful for and it shift it's definitely shifted my energy okay so goal setting let's dive into that for the new year so um Rebecca and Natalie we had kind of a funny conversation about this about like setting a realistic goal Mm -hmm. so I feel like when I set my goals I'm it's like a Christmas wish list like (laughs) let me put this down and hope sin is generous this year (laughs) like like my goals are just gonna be just like delivered to me at the door by FedEx or something that's hilarious (laughs) so how do we turn our goal list from a Santa's wish list to something realistic and achievable yeah, I mean, I, I was talking about this uh, last year. She Collective asked the same question, and they're an awesome group in D.C. Of, of women. And I said, first, do an audit. You know, you can't really ever say where you're going to go if you don't know where you're currently at. So I would say first, you know, I hope at least, you know, because now it's already 2020, but, you know, it's not too late. Set where you're, where you're at currently. And then what's realistic? What's not a huge goal that you want to, you know, change everything? It's not a Santa list. But maybe pick two or three that are very important to you. And what small steps can you do to work towards that goal? It doesn't need to be overnight. You don't need to be running 10 miles at the gym the second week of January. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, you add one <laughs> yoga class yeah. here. Make small, small bite-sized like iterative changes. Change. Yeah. yeah. And so you're also excited for it. And then if it doesn't bring you joy and pleasure – 
be okay to say this, you know, this didn't work for me and I'm not going to do that and I'm going to actually shift my goal. It doesn't have to be in stone. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest key. What what she just said is what brings you joy and pleasure. And so we set these goals and a lot of times we have like this vision. I want to be this size by this time. Yeah. Right? And so you have your vision but the whole way along the way, you're not feeling good about it. You're not joyful about it. And what do you think the outcome's going to end up being? Yeah. You know, you're going to burn out. You're going to shut down. You're not going to end up doing it. So I think the, the biggest key is when you look at what you want, think about how will this make me feel once I get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's not an outcome that's going to be desirable, what is the point? Yeah. And think ab- truly think about the goals that you want to set for yourself. And then to Rebecca's point, taking that bite size because if you're not, you're going to overwhelm yourself and, you know, play the long game, not the short game. I think of even people, you know, when they say the marathon and they get through that, or when you think of weight, you know, it's, you, you get to that goal weight, but you did it so fast and you didn't have any pleasure and joy as you did it. And then you go right back to your big size because you like, it's not sustainable. So play the long game because that's where you're really going to, to see changes consistently and growth. Yeah. Yeah. I like for me, it, um, I tore my shoulder. I played volleyball for like 20 years and I tore my shoulder. And so I couldn't do that anymore. That was like my workout joy. Mm -hmm. Like I, my therapy, it was everything. And so since then I've been trying to find a workout that like brought me joy, like a kind of a community thing. And I finally joined Orange Theory. I had been so against it for so many years. And I finally joined it. And it's a mile down the road from my house. And I've been doing it lately. And it has brought me so much joy. Like surprise joy. And also I'm seeing like, you know, small changes in my body and stuff like that. But it really is. That workout is like a whoo. Yeah. Yeah, You'll see see changes fast. (laughs) Yeah. But it's bringing me so much joy. And I'm like, okay, this is. But I've been searching. I've been doing all these different classes for like a couple of years since I tore my shoulder. And really didn't like any of them that much and kind of forced myself to. And I was like, oh, I really, really like this. This is, this is, it's literally five minute drive. It's realistic for me. And so I feel like that is, you know, a realistic goal for the new year. Um, Okay. So wrapping up, because I feel like we could talk forever and ever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for listeners out there, are there any reoccurring themes that you see over and over with your clients that are just like general good advice that you can provide people in regards to their career and kind of resetting perhaps for the new year? Yeah. So I would say what I see a trend in frequently is we spend a lot of time focusing on everyone else. We know exactly what everybody else wants. We know exactly what everybody else needs. We do not have clarity about ourselves. We spend so much time trying to evolve other people and not evolving ourselves. So I think that's one of the biggest trends that I see with people. And so it's the clarity, you know, getting yourself into a position where you can either partner with someone or yourself where you are starting to dig in to yourself Mm -hmm. and understand what truly matters to you, what truly motivates you and how you feel about it. Because, you know, you said earlier, I force myself, I force myself to, to do it. You know, how many of us live life in a forced way instead of still being able to make the progress progress that we want, but doing it in a joyful way. You cannot do that if you don't know enough about yourself and have clarity within yourself. So that's probably the biggest trend that I see. Okay. Yeah. I would say mine, um, you know, we talked about values of course, but the knowing your worth, when you know your worth, 
you have no problem in everything. You you won't you know accept a shitty relationship, whether it's with a friend, whether it's at work, whether it's with you know your partner. When you know your worth and you know your values, you're very easily able to move through life. I would say with much more finesse. And um, you're not coming at a level two. You're not coming with this catabolic force because you're you're comfortable with who you are, and um, you're not afraid ever to walk away either. And it's yeah. not a threat, but you know that. Yeah. You know you 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 know exactly what you bring to the table and and how you can um, you know assist others. And it's it's not a it's not a it's not a place of fear. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of becoming aligned and when you know that your compass is working. So like when you go to Orange Theory, you feel it, right? Yeah. It feels yeah. good. And once you become accustomed to working in that way, when you're not there, you feel that too. Yeah. And so it builds habit of this feels good. This does not feel good. And so yeah. when we start focusing more about the feelings that we have inside versus what am I doing and on my checklist, yeah. while that brings good feelings too, it is really about knowing what feels good to you and going in that. I mean, that's why our brand's called Turn It On. I mean, when you're living a life turned on, seriously, I know very quickly if I'm not turned on and I'm like, oh, this is not serving me because I now, and we have selected and we choose to live life turned on. And every single thing that we do, I'm like, is this a turn on for me? You know, am I excited? Is Orange Theory, you know, bringing you joy and pleasure? That's a turn on for you. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to what I talked about in the beginning of the episode was you know, being out of alignment in, you know, that relationship and just the lesson for me, I like, oddly, I'm so glad that it happened because the reminder to me was to listen to my intuition. My dad was like, so Tahira, are you going to listen to yourself now? Like what? So you have a, you have a choice. You can continue on this path of pain or you can continue on this path of joy and, and be happy that the universe provided you another lesson to remind you to listen to yourself. My dad's a counselor. Go dad. So. Yeah. <laughs> He's a retired counselor. That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah. And, and I was like, holy shit. Like this yeah. is, it was just like such a slap in the face. And I felt so good sense because now I like trust my gut more. And and it's just like another reminder. I've received so many of them before, but I you know, just chose not to listen. And this was really like, okay, we're going to rock your world until you listen. So that's why I was saying the intuition journal has just been for me at at least kind of mind blowing because then I have the data to back it up, which I I'm data driven. So for me, it's like, okay, you have this reminder every time. (laughs) Natalie's like, you're crazy. (laughs) No, I think it's great. Yeah. For some, I mean, especially for those that need that for themselves to be able to say, I need to see the line in the sand. So the clarity on this is I need to see that this is actually working for me and having that I think is amazing yeah okay so last question what is the best career slash life advice that you guys have ever gotten that you feel like is worthwhile to share with others so for me I think that for a long time again I I, I felt like I needed to have the my background is learning and development I need to have the perfect emails that go out I need to have the you know um, perfect curriculum and uh, that is not actually where my gift lies. And so I had a leader that was um, so wonderful and and believed in me fully. Um, and she also helped me recognize, look, your gift, just because this is what you do is not necessarily your gift to share with people. You 
make people feel valued when you're around them. You make people feel good because you're listening and you're fully being present. Those are your gifts. And so it was beautiful for me because I was putting myself in this box of, I have to do this. I need to be perfect in what I'm doing. And I really wasn't allowing my gift to truly be shown. And so her providing that validation for me actually helped me really do what I'm doing now because it reminded me, oh my gosh, there is more inside of me that's willing to be pushed out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's funny when you ask that question, Michelle Obama's book kind of came to mind. It just like popped up in my head. I love her. My girl crush. (laughs) So much. Yeah. Her book was amazing. It was. And it was at a very interesting time in my life because it was when we just closed up Pinnacle Entertainment and got this amazing opportunity to say, what do I want to do next? And I'm not being sent around the world from these hotels to open them up and I get to choose. And I remember because she has so many, she was an attorney at first, right? And then she was like, you know what? I, I work so hard for this, but I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And she shifted and, you know, she shifted a couple times throughout her life and she's shifting again. And her family was like, why are right. you doing yes. this? Yeah, exactly. You if, make good money. You've worked so hard yeah. to get there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my dad, the same thing. He's like, why would you do this? You worked so hard to, you know, become an executive in HR, which actually he, if being that he's Pakistani, you're either a doctor, you're an attorney or you're an accountant. So he was like, you made so much money as an accountant. Why don't you just go back to that? I was like, oh, yes, dad, there's always accounting. I've never been an accountant. (laughs) But I think it was, you know, don't be afraid to shift gears. Yeah. And just because you're making a lot of money in one area, that might, I mean, I've made the least amount of money this past year because it was about planting seeds. And I went back to school and starting a whole new business and learning commercial real estate, which I've never been in. And I had the best year of my life. And I probably worked my fucking ass off more than I ever done in my life. So you know what? It's okay to shift. We, I think we think like, I don't know why, but once you set something, in yes. st- like you have to stay That's in stone, yeah. but you're, I'm 35, like shift, try something else, yeah, you right. know? So that would be my biggest advice to people is don't be afraid to try something different yeah. and, um, realize like there's so many things you can be great at. So why not have fun with it? That's yeah. right. If you're not constantly growing and, and learning, at least for me, yeah. um, I, I find that that's the most, uh, value that, that I've always gotten, you know, ba- gotten back. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for for joining me today. Thank you. Yes, it's been wonderful. Um, You can find Natalie and Rebecca at www.timetoturniton.com. And you can find my podcast on iTunes and Spotify under Tall Hungry Girl Talks. And I have a little bit of an announcement to make. I have a new website um, on tallhungrygirl.com. I did a little rebranding during the break. So, um, lots of fun additions and stuff on my website. So again, tallhungrygirl.com. Thanks again and happy 2020.